BIV Today, the daily business podcast from the Business in Vancouver newspaper and BIV.com. I'm Haley Wooden. It's uncertain times for Canada when it comes to international trade. And while BC is home to the country's most diversified economy, the West Coast has not been immune to trade problems. So on today's show, we speak to Bruce Ralston, the Minister of Jobs, Trade and Technology, and George Chow, Minister of State for Trade, all about this uncertainty as well as what the tech sector can maybe do to help things out going forward. And speaking of technology, a wide range of innovative, disruptive technologies are making payments and transactions easier for businesses. On September 13th, BIV's FinTech panel will have a look at how small and medium-sized businesses can make informed decisions in this new landscape. For tickets and information, head on over to BIV.com events. So we're now officially more than one year into the new BC government, and it makes us wonder, Haley, I think, like, what kind of stamp can the BCNDP put on the province's economy? Lots going on, and with us today to talk about everything from job creation to trade opportunities to technology, I want to welcome onto the show Bruce Ralston. He is the Minister of Jobs, Trade, and Technology. I hope I got that in the right order. It's a bit of a mouthful. Okay, great. And also joining us is George Chow. He is Minister of State for Trade. Thank you both ministers for joining us on the show today. Great. Thanks for inviting us. So it seems as if you want to sum up trade in one word right now. If we look at the international scene, a lot of it has to do with uncertainty. But if you look at BC, we've been very consistent with the economy, a lot of opportunities, a lot of diversification with this one economy. Tell us both. I'll start with you, Minister, with regards to international opportunities that are going on in trade for British Columbia specifically. I think you're right. I think the word is uncertainty right now. But of course, with respect to BC, I think we're pretty certain because we are dealing with our four largest uh, trading partner, the US, China. Japan and Korea. And uh, as you know, we have had a trade mission led by the Premier at uh, the end of January this year to uh, uh, China, Japan and Korea in order to build upon the previous relationships. Um, Our main message was that BC is open for business. We are here to trade, to welcome investment in order to create good jobs for British Columbia's right here at home. So I think we are optimistic as far as Trans-Pacific trade with these partners that I was just talking about. And of course, we have opportunity to explore other markets as well. India, you know, being the fifth largest trading partner to BC, and as well as uh, uh, the Asian nations in the region as well. So we have ample opportunity. I think we need to explore those opportunities. I'm curious, from your perspective, Minister Ralston, when you're going around traveling throughout the province, boosting a lot of the trade opportunities that exist here, I mean, what are you telling businesses? Are, are you able to reassure people maybe about the uncertainty that's existing right now? Well, I think it's something that policymakers, uh, certainly uh, nationally and, and, and in every province, are concerned about. Um, the, the good thing for British Columbia is uh, that we are less dependent on the United States than, than other provinces. Uh, Ontario, about 80% of its exports go to the United States. In British Columbia, it's around 50%. So um, obviously, the, the uh, United States is still our largest customer. And, and we do continue to uh, 
pursue opportunities south of the border, particularly along uh, in the Cascadia region. We've opened a new, it's a one-person representative trade office in Seattle. We have one in San Francisco, a new one, uh, and in Los Angeles, and we also have an office in Boston. So we are pursuing uh, those kind of business opportunities, and there's a lot of uh, in the, especially in the technology sector, there's a lot of uh, exchange both with Seattle and Silicon Valley uh, at the uh, business level. So we're not writing off the United States. I think we're probably focusing a bit more. There is turbulence at the national level, and uh, we are doing our best. Certainly uh, um, the catalyst uh, situation where uh, duties were imposed unfairly upon a major employer in British Columbia. We are resolutely fighting that. The Premier has mobilized uh, the company, uh, the affected communities, uh, Powell River Crofton and Port Alberni, the opposition parties, uh, the unions. Uh, so, uh, But uh, that's, that's the world that we live in. So we are taking steps, and Minister Chow uh, uh, in, in, and I lead that effort to, to look to, to other markets uh, in this time. And uh, there are a lot, there's lots of interest in British Columbia, of course. Uh, people are attracted by uh, a number of aspects of it, our first-class educational institutions, uh, the talent. That's typically what people come back to when they talk about British Columbia is the range of, of talent that we have here uh, that... Uh, really for driving a lot of businesses forward. It's impossible without those kind of people. And that's what draws people here. So so I think there's uh, we are interested in new investments. We're also interested in helping existing businesses expand. And uh, I think we have a pretty good story to tell. And increasingly, people are listening to it. Mm-hmm. On the topic of helping businesses here expand, the BC government opened recently a new trade and investment office in Singapore, which is in a prime location to take advantage of the CPTPP once that's mm-hmm. ratified. And Minister Chow, I'm curious about what the strategy is on the ground here in BC to communicate and relay some of the opportunities that will exist once we have the CPTPP in effect? Well, we are working, of course, our staff is working hard in terms of spreading out the message. Like you said, uh, Minister Rousin, we probably could speak to that. Uh, we opened a new office in Singapore, and, and it's, you know, you know Singapore is a very advanced uh, economy with high tech and everything. And as Minister Rousin has said, we also opened up some new offices in the U.S. So we're not the the U.S., like we have two new offices, Boston and, and Seattle. And overall, we have about 54 trade investment offices in the world spread over 17 regions. Now, these are local people that we hire that meets our requirement that help us to uh, uh, in- attract investment as well as make deals on the ground, right, in the market. So those are very, very important strategies. And, and we also have a navigator, uh, export navigator program that would help small businesses, particularly in the rural area, in terms of how to export. Because for these businesses, it's very difficult to really, because of the limited resources, to really learn how to actually package, for example, you know, what are the requirements of these countries and what are they emphasize in terms of cultural and, and technical. So, so we are trying to do that for our small business. I mean, ultimately, it's really to create good jobs for British Columbia. 
Well, I want to go back to something you mentioned just a moment ago, Mr. Minister Ralston, with regards to the softwood lumber issue that's going on. And we talked to some economists, some experts, and a lot of people are saying, well, maybe there's just a, a sit back, grit your teeth sort of strategy that we're going to have to employ. Others say, well, maybe we have to be aggressive. We have to push back. Otherwise, we're going to have an American administration that, I don't know, if you give them an inch, they'll take a mile. What ultimately is going to be the strategy for British Columbia when we're dealing with maybe a lot of this kind of uncertainty going forward? Uh, well, well um, you, you did mention softwood, and that's uh, distinct from uh, Catalyst because Catalyst is a duty on uh, newsprint. But, but, but the softwood lumber deal, when, when Premier Horgan first came to office uh, on July 18th, the last year, 2017, within uh, two weeks he had met with uh, the Prime Minister on a trade uh, strategy to, and, and then went to Washington, met with uh, then uh, or Secretary of Commerce Ross and, and uh, Trade Representative Lighthizer. The view was that British Columbia, being the major player in softwood exports, uh, would have a, had a really keen interest in settling that. We were optimistic that there was an opening there where there might be a settlement. That did not come to pass. I think the good news, at least temporarily, and uh, certainly uh, Susan Yurkovich of the uh, Employers, uh, Forest Employers Council would, um, would echo this, is that uh, prices have been very high. Uh, and so although there has been uh, uh, duties put on by the Americans, it hasn't inhibited sales. And in fact, uh, companies in British Columbia are doing well. But uh, that's at the cost of higher prices for American consumers uh, to buy to buy lumber to build homes. That's increased the cost by five to ten thousand uh, dollars per household. But but that's that's the consequence. So so that but that is a temporary fix. Uh, I think what uh, what is clear is that um, we can't stand still. We have to strongly assert um, our position and. In the case of Catalyst, the, the duties are completely unwarranted, and uh, there's no legal justification for them. Um, the The complaint was filed by a company uh, in uh, Washington State, employs about 250 people, Norpac. It's run by a hedge fund out of New York, uh, and they are running it for the personal advantage, or the financial advantage of that particular company. On the other side, in the American economy, um, there's all the small news. Newsprint is the second biggest uh, cost of uh, the pub, uh, of the newspaper industry after labor, and it's affecting sixty thousand jobs. Newspapers in small towns in the United States are cutting back, um, and there's a very furious uh, political response, both Democrat and Republican, uh, at the very highest levels to Secretary of Commerce Ross opposing this duty because it's just adding immeasurably to the cost of a pretty, you know, I mean, the newspaper industry hasn't been strong. So I don't um, know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, so, so well, you understand that. So, so, um, so that's, that's why we are, fi- we're fighting back. And certainly I, um, we're working closely. These are, these are the federal, the leadership on this file is federal. And uh, Minister uh, Friedland has, has done a, I think a really superb job in drawing the provinces in. All our representations are heard and acted upon, and uh, we've stayed together uh, united. But, you know, there's uh, the steel and aluminum tariff, which has had consequences. I mean, we have the biggest aluminum producer in North America in uh, in Kitimat. That's a 1,000 direct jobs. Uh, that was a 10% hit. Um, so, 
these these uh, actions by the United States are hitting uh, British Columbia economy, and we uh, we're standing up for BC jobs and BC communities uh, as uh, as strongly as we possibly can. Mm-hmm. So, as the Minister Rousen said, we're not stopping. I mean, we are actually promoting actively our engineering wood and our lumber in the Asia Pacific. For example, when during the trade mission, we had a policy forum discussion in Beijing involving uh, uh, using wood for construction. And that's certainly uh, something that we want to promote because we hope they will use wood as a way to build. It's cheaper, quicker, and it helps to reduce the greenhouse gases mission for China because they're building with concrete, a lot of them. So that's important. And I know there is there was an agreement signed recently between our Canadian ambassador, Mr. McCallum in Beijing and China Railway Company on some agreement on using wood to build because the China Railway Company has a real estate arm in China as well. So, so we are pushing that kind of agreement and uh, helping to accelerate our wood products in Asia, whether it's in Korea. We have a project in Korea called Canada Village in which uh, homes like very much like what we built, townhouses here are being built in Korea with net zero energy consumption. And it's a very interesting project and it's enticing some of the Koreans who are actually living in Seoul in the high rises to actually buy a second home to to live in the countryside. And, and it was cold. It was in uh, region when the, you know near the Winter Olympic, but it's great in terms of energy efficiency. So we're doing that in order to sell our wood. Well, and maybe forgive my ignorance for a second, but I'm wondering if maybe you can enlighten me a little bit with regards to the difference in the market for say lumber in South Korea versus China. Just because I know that we did sign a free trade agreement with South Korea a number of years ago, and we do have the current prime minister. He is looking. It seemed as if a few months ago he was looking to make an announcement on his trip to Beijing. I'm wondering if an FTA with Beijing would open up markets even further for lumber. And if we've seen evidence of that just with regards to the FTA that we had in South Korea signed a few years back. Well, certainly that's something that the federal government is keen to work on is uh, some kind of trade agreement with China. But in spite of that, I think we have been promoting lumber uh, in China for the last 10 years. You know, Starting with the old government, we have been doing that. Uh, our forest innovation and investment agency have been doing that in India in Shanghai, in Korea. So, you know, we are doing that product by product. Sure, it would be great if we would come to some kind of free trade agreement. But right now, we are just promoting the products that we have strengths on, you know, agri-food, seafood, you know, clean technology, lumber, engineering, wood. Those are the items that we're promoting in order to sell you know, other than the U.S., so so that's really our our mission, our objective, and again, is trying to create good jobs for British Columbia here at home. Mm-hmm. And you do mention the, the Korean FTA; that's been very successful. That's something that we supported when we were in opposition. And um, the Korean economy, um, it's a very dynamic, very intense. I think it it reminds me, I, I suppose, just because of the. The geopolitical situation, there's an intensity uh, and a speed to market that you don't find uh, other places. They're certainly not complacent uh, in their business practice, So, uh, but the opportunities are huge there. And when we were there, 
Um, we signed an agreement with uh, Gyeonggi province uh, on, uh, on digital technology, and there's actually been some companies that have followed up within three months. They've been over here. Um, I don't know if you know uh, Kabam Studios and uh, uh, mobile games. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not a... Uh, I don't play many mobile games, but you're not uh, an Angry but, Birds guy, or no, <laughs> no, but okay. uh, but uh, they're 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 a big franchise, and they're owned by a company in uh, in Seoul, uh, Net Marble, which is uh, it's a, a global leader. They're at twenty five percent growth annually in uh, in that sector. So they've uh, invested in that franchise here, and uh, they have uh, holdings uh, and companies that they own in San Francisco and Austin, Texas, but. The opportunities uh, for uh, in 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 that particular in the digital uh, gaming sector are are huge. Vancouver has a leading cluster in that area, and so we're expecting uh, more interest and more investment from partners not only in Korea but in Japan as well. Mm-hmm. And Vancouver and BC were certainly on the map in terms of our creative industries, gaming, technology. Do you think some of the uncertainty south of the border has maybe led investors abroad to focus a little bit more on opportunities? in BC in those spaces? Uh, I think so. I mean, we just to give you an example, which is a slightly different take on it, uh, there's a scientific uh, network in Germany called the Helmholtz Network. They are 18 locations. They have a $3.5 billion, uh, that's euros, uh, in terms of research. They came to... Uh, to North America. They didn't go to the States. They went to Montreal, Toronto, Edmonton, Vancouver, and there's been a follow-up meeting or a conference since that time. They're particularly interested in uh, quantum computing, which where British Columbia is a leader with uh, D-Wave and One Qubit. They're interested in working with uh, Triumph, uh, the particle accelerator. Uh, so w- when they were there, they said we, in our visit, within a couple of hours, we'd already figured out uh, three or four projects that we could collaborate on. So the quality of of uh, scientific research here is good. I think that the talent of people in the tech sector is is excellent. Uh, I know uh, um, uh, other companies are actively considering or have made decisions. Some of the big companies, I think they're probably better known. Um, whether it's Amazon or Facebook, and, and those uh, those uh, certainly are, again, an endorsement of what we have here, um, although they bring some concerns by the public about how we're going to service all of that. But um, but I think that's the measure of, uh, of just uh, where we're at, and and that, that, that interest in technology and in growth in technology hubs is taking place not only in the Lower Mainland, but in Kelowna, Kamloops, there's a bit of a biotech hub in Prince George, Nanaimo, Victoria. So it's uh, spreading out uh, through the province and there's opportunities, not just in the lower mainland. Well, you mentioned that there are concerns amongst the public about how we're going to be able to Mm -hmm. service a lot of these tech giants coming in Mm -hmm. and they they obviously want to be here in Vancouver Mm -hmm. and and I understand that. Are there concerns though? I mean, if you look at situations going on in Seattle or the Silicon Valley with housing costs going up, it's tumultuous right now in Seattle. And I'm wondering if there are steps that we can take here in British Columbia to sidestep those issues, make sure that it doesn't come to that. If we're talking about, you know, higher salary prices, driving up the housing costs even further, we're already in the midst of a crisis right now here in BC. Uh, well, one of the things that I, uh, I re- reconstituted the board of the Innovation Council, it's now Innovate BC. The, the, the chair of the uh, board that I asked to join is the president of Thompson Rivers University, Dr. Alan Shaver. Um, and um, 
what I've asked that group to do, it's a group of um, people, some people from the universities and a group of entrepreneurs and business people. Uh, what I've asked them to think about is um, how we can um, encourage companies not only to, to locate here, but um, locate elsewhere in the province. At a certain stage, sometimes people want to, and their workers I know, want to live in in uh, close to the action, I suppose, in terms of social and, and and entertainment opportunities. But you get to a different stage in your life when you're at the stage of family formation in a place like Kelowna, where there is really good, interesting work, uh, looks possible. I had a meeting with a company in Boston who are half in Boston and half in uh, Gastown. He, the, the CEO said he had a, a worker who uh, his family lived in. I think his, his parents lived in Kelowna, so he'd given him the okay to work remotely from Kelowna. So I was uh, trying to persuade him to to look at Kelowna as a city, and he's interested, given what there is there, the uh, and uh, and attracting that slightly older generation of people who are at the family formation stage who who may want to buy property, buy a house. Uh, have their children in school and uh, without some of the stresses and strains that uh, we love and enjoy here in the, in the lower mainland. So, so I think th- there are solutions. Uh, the Minister of Housing, uh, Selena Robinson, has got a very uh, determined program to address a number of the challenges in the housing market. Um, um, but, you know, I know uh, it has been commented by tech executives uh, that that you know in order to attract people they need to be able to ha- have a place to live so uh, that's, that's i think that's sort of axiomatic but uh, so so that those are challenges that we are we are working on we're aware of and we are working on no we are aware that you know you know i was a counselor for 6 years in vancouver so basically uh, we are, of course, working with the city to promote the building of rental housing, which is very important. And the other thing, of course, is we have and we are embarking on investing a lot of money into transit. And that's certainly another way of trying to uh, get people to be able to go to work on transit, you know, having not having to drive. So that's certainly an infrastructure that would benefit the people. And creates jobs as well, and 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 I think yes, housing is a big issue, and particularly in the urban center here. And you're working hard, like Minister was saying, uh, Minister of Housing Selena Robinson is working on that. I'm also curious, though. I mean, if we go backwards just a little bit to to trade, because the one thing that we've been talking to a lot of people from, say, Europe about mm. is CETA, the uh, Comprehensive Economic Trade Agreement, if I'm getting the acronym correctly there, right. um, opportunities that exist between BC and Europe. I mean, they're on the other side of the Atlantic Ocean. We have a lot of strong connections to those you know, trans-Pacific relations there. What do you see for opportunities that exist between BC and European nish- uh, nations that are in the EU and are privy to the benefits of CETA going forward? Well, it's um, it's a huge market, over 500 million people. I think we share, when we compete with some countries elsewhere in the world where they have lower environmental standards and lower labor standards, and we can't, and we can't compete. I mean, to some extent, innovation is our competitive advantage. But I think in Europe, clearly, um, those, uh, those issues uh, don't arise. It's a huge market. There's lots of uh, connections, uh, and we have the direct flights, whether it's direct flights to uh, to Amsterdam, to London, to Paris, to Frankfurt, 
Um, so the, there's ease of access. Direct flights really make a difference in terms of business relationships. And um, there's a, a range of opportunities uh, with uh, both. I was recently uh, meeting with a, it's a parliamentary committee from the a German state, uh, they're a federal system of Baden-Württemberg. They had the full parliamentary committee, all 21 members were out here in, in Vancouver. Um, they're in the southwest corner, Heidelberg, I think would probably be the, the city that people would know the best. Um, and there, when we, in preparation for that meeting, when we look at the range of, for example, German investment, it's a little bit below the radar, people don't talk about it, but there's a wide range of investments, uh, a tourism flow. Germans really like the uh, British Columbia natural environment. And uh, so there, uh, there's interest there. And uh, university, you have the research level, exchange. So, um, and you think of um, uh, whether it's the Netherlands, uh, there's, uh, uh, they're, I mean, they've been externally oriented in their trade since the 17th century. So they're, and they're very canny and, and shrewd business people. So um, other countries as well, whether it's, I uh, met uh, just recently with the ambassador for a very small country, Slovenia, but uh, about 2 million people, but they have, uh, we uh, there's a, a company in Vancouver Island, Titan, that uh, sold them uh, some uh, small uh, vessels for operation on one of the lakes in Slovenia. So, uh, the, the the there are a myriad of trained connections. I think there's opportunities with Europe that, uh, uh, and I think we as Canadians and the British Columbians are well received in Europe, and people feel comfortable there, each with the other. So. Uh, there's, uh, that's something that we're also pursuing. We have a trade representative uh, who's uh, headquartered at the moment in London, but has another office in uh, Frankfurt and is uh, Germany. And so we're, we're expanding our scope in Europe. And as we expand our scope in trade, generally, obviously, capacity and our ability to facilitate trade becomes an issue. We're the gateway to Asia. We're Asia's gateway to North America. And in Metro Vancouver, there's an industrial land supply crunch. It's a complicated multi-jurisdictional issue. I understand that. But maybe one of you can elaborate on the role the provincial government can play in ensuring that we can facilitate all this new trade. Um, do you want to, maybe well, I can deal with the industrial land thing? Or you, well, I think mm-hmm. that's certainly very important. I mean, for example, in the city of Vancouver, a lot of people wanted to turn the industrial land into, you know, condos. But I think we also have to make a living. So I think we have to be realistic in working with the municipal government, uh, you know, how we can retain industrial land just for warehousing, for example, mm-hmm. is very important because if the price of industrial land, you know, gone up so much that it's impossible to for them to be located in Vancouver, then then you have a big problem because then a lot of the stuff would have to come from far away by trucking and it's not good for the environment. So yeah, that that's certainly important. And in terms of capacity, I think that's something that we're aware of. For example, on the e-commerce platform, there's Alibaba from China, but there's also Coupan from uh, Korea, which is like the Amazon Korean Amazon and we're mindful of the fact that you want to list product from British Columbia that are unique 
and you know at a higher price those are the ones who could compete on but we are also mindful of the capacity of the people that for, to be able to produce it because if you sign on and you couldn't produce supply the products then you know they lose face in terms of Kuban and we lost businesses. So, so working on that is certainly very important. And that's just where our ministry comes in in actually helping a small business to look at, you know, what is your capacity? You know, you, you want to get on this e-com platform, but you have to know that there's certain obligation you have to do. But I, I, I fully understand some of the, you know, I've been approached people saying, oh, why don't you turn some of the AL out? Uh, into a right. building condo. I mean, but we also have to not make really a what it's meant for. <laughs> yeah, well, that's yeah. But anyway, maybe Minister Rousen from Surrey's point of view, you know, mm, he sure. was a city councillor too. Um, well, on I mean, I agree that um, the, the question about industrial land is one that does come up, particularly for uh, manufacturing, uh, uniquely manufacturing. Although I did. Uh, meet with a company that said that there is a, a new trend of, of vertical manufacturing, a company called Hungerford Properties, a well-established company here. They they said they're aware of uh, opportunity, new locations in Seattle and the States where they're building um, manufacturing vertically, which I, I, I was intrigued by. Um, but I did, uh, I think the, 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 Drift in industrial land has been out and up the valley. I met recently with the mayor of Abbotsford, and they had pursued uh, Molson's, uh, who uh, now ultimately opened a brewery in new uh, brewery in Chilliwack. They had them uh, found them a site for about with about eighteen acres. Ultimately, they wanted more, and they wound up in Chilliwack on a twenty-five acre site. So, um, uh, within the Lower Mainland, that's an issue. It's a less an issue, the cost of industrial land in other uh, centers, whether it's in the Okanagan, whether it's Kamloops or Prince George, uh, sometimes uh, we're, uh, we try to persuade or, or, or sell companies on the idea of access to rail, transportation, and a much lower cost for industrial land. Uh, I know uh, certainly Prince George has uh, uh, got an, a, a whole so, uh industrial park very close to their airport uh, that they have serviced and are actively pursuing uh, people to come and, uh, and set up businesses there. So, so the, the industrial land question in the lower mainland is very, very tight and the cost have skyrocketed. I think increasingly companies are looking elsewhere um, and maybe this vertical solution that, uh, that for uh, some businesses, certainly maybe advanced manufacturing where the the uh, floor plate uh, is smaller, uh, might work in those kind of circumstances. They, certainly Hungerford, seemed optimistic about that. Ministers, I think we could go for another 30 minutes, but <laughs> I'll have to leave it there. But I want to thank both of you guys for joining us today. Thank you. Great. Thank you. Thank you for the questions. That was uh, stimulating. That's uh, Bruce Ralston, Minister of Jobs, Trade and Technology, and George Chow, Minister of State for Trade. 